Romans chapter 15 this morning. Brother Jim read our text and uh, closing up here in chapter 15, getting ready to close up uh, all of the book of Romans. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, sometimes I have type notes, sometimes I have handwritten notes, sometimes they're just in the side of my Bible. So sometimes my message numbers get off and I have this as message 50. I don't know, it could be more than that, I don't remember. But uh, this one here is message number 50. And I want to ask the question, I want to look at the question this morning of have we lost our identity? Have we lost our identity? I mentioned just the other day, uh, maybe it was at men's prayer yesterday, Brother Charles Elliott, if any of you remember when he's been here with us, do pray for him. His health is not good. He can't travel at all anymore. But uh, Brother Elliott, who is blind, um, and uh, traveled for years and years. And I picked him up at the airport in Tulsa, bringing him back here when he preached uh, for us a few years back. And uh, he just said this. He said, Brother Derek, he said, I, I just really think we've, all lo- we've lost our identity. We've lost our identity in Christ. And uh, I began to think about that and think about that. And identity just means sameness. When we talk about human identity, it means it means sameness. So to identify with something, it means to make yourself be the same or to become the same as somebody else. So when we talk about our identity in Christ, it means that we choose of our will and 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 of uh, of our will, and we go about it to make ourselves similar or the same or sameness with Jesus Christ. Our identity is, is Christ and it should, in, in that sameness, it should mark us uh, as Christians. And, and, and maybe I can say it this way, to make, to identify ourselves with Christ, let me say it like this, is to make ourselves the same as Christ in this way, to look and live like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to identify with Christ. And I believe we've lost, I believe he's right, we've lost our identity. You look out at the panoply of religion, of, of quote, Christianity under that, uh, under that umbrella, and there are many who claim the name of Christ, and you look at them and you go, boy, I don't know. Uh, we were, uh, Sherry and I were in Springfield yesterday and I walked by this car and it had a bumper sticker on the back and it said this, I wrote it down. It, it says, because of my faith, are you ready for this? Don't puke, don't do anything weird. Because of my faith, I vote Democrat. Wow. Define your faith. I mean, I mean, we all need to pour meanings in the word sometimes, right? I, I don't... I, I, I'm sure they meant I'm a Christian, therefore I vote Democrat. But I know I don't I don't need to get this this crowd here today riled up. But as a fact that we know to vote Democrat is the most anti-Christian thing you can do just on the platform of abortion alone, not alone the drug. Oh, don't give me go. Anyway, there's uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, good news. California or Colorado has just legalized uh, uh, the mushrooms. So what are they? Which ones? The. Uh, the what? Psychedelic mushrooms. There it is. They're poison. They've just legalized that. And I told my cousin the other day, uh, mark it down. Every drug is going to be legalized eventually. You've opened the gate to it. It's coming. 
It's coming. And there were Christians, Brother Brother Peace, who was preaching here the other day, a few few weeks back, at a family in his church left left the church, and here they are uh, out uh, out of church, and the and the son is in the sadly in in drugs and marijuana, and the response of the mother was, well, they're not illegal. They're not illegal. No, we're talking about identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. As a Christian, as believers, we are to identify with Jesus Christ. And in our text this morning, I think there are three, I see there are three identifying marks of one who identifies with Jesus Christ. There are three identifying marks. And if these three are right in our life, it will put other areas in our life right as well. And so it's really easy today. There's three things. If we get these right, it'll help a host of other things. And so you say, well, what are the three areas that we're going to look at? Let me just give you one, two, and three, and we'll go to this. The, the, my, my, my points aren't necessarily worded this way, but I'm going to give you one, two, three. Number one, preaching. Number two, paying. P-A-Y-I-N-G. Paying. Oh, this is going to be exciting. And number three, praying. Preaching, pain, and praying. We'll see in our text this morning. And the first thing we notice is, number one, our identity is revealed in who we or whom we preach. That our identity is revealed in whom we preach. Look at verse 17, would you please? Verse 17, the Bible says, I therefore, I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He had a lot to glory in of himself. He had a lot going for him. And those things which pertain to God, verse, for, verse 18, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient to word and deed. He refused to point to himself. He refused to point to anything but what God did through his life. In verse 19, there was no mistake that God was the one working through the Apostle Paul when he says, through mighty signs, and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Notice this, I have fully preached. I have completely preached the gospel. He did not preach himself. He did not preach his own politics. He did not preach his own weird ideas. And there are a plethora of them out there. And I've got my own, thank you very much, weird ideas that don't need to be preached. But he preached Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. I have heard some incredible messages. I have heard some incredible, let me call them this way, deliveries of messages or or they may have just been soliloquies or things like that. I have heard so-called messages that really had nothing to do with the text that they were supposedly preaching. Oh, they were great. And they had a lot of amen buttons and they had a lot of excitement. They had a lot of uh, people walking out going, that was great. And, but I'm telling you, friend, it had nothing to do with the text. It's, that's not preaching Jesus Christ. It's not preaching the word of God. I heard one preach a message out of Ecclesiastes. They're passed away now. I won't name them. But Ecclesiastes 3.15, which says, That which has been is now, and that which hath been already been. And this was the, the title of the message, God requireth that which is past. And God requires, and, and the whole message is, was on God requires the past. 
And it was a great, I'm really, I listened to it. Boy, it was encouraging. It was a great message. It was well delivered. They had power. They had the voice. They had the points. It was awesome, but it had nothing to do with what Ecclesiastes 3.15 was talking about. I, listen, I, I, am all, I am all for about the, quote, old paths. I am all for, uh, uh, you know, being against compromise and modernism and all of these things. And I believe God definitely is against all of these things. But listen, when you're going to preach Christ, when you're going to preach the Word of God, you've got to preach the text. You've got to preach. Amen. Come on, man. I mean, you can, you can make the, the cults do this, friend. The cults take the Word of God and they twist it and they make it say whatever they want to say. We should be the last people on the planet that do that. Paul preached Christ. Why? Because it was his identity. It was who he was. First Corinthians one twenty three. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Look what he said over in Second Corinthians four or five. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul told the church in, in Colossae in, in chapter 1, verse 27 through 29, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I like this. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in, Je- in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. What is he doing? He's preaching Jesus Christ. That's all he's doing. This is his identity. How is he identifying with Christ? Well, how is the, his identity known? How is his identity seen? How is the sameness in Paul seen? Well, it's seen in who he preaches. It's seen in who's, who is the theme of his preaching, right? Hey, don't make any mistake about it, friend. It, 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 our life preaches to those around us. You may not have a, a platform. You may not have a national a stage to, to speak words. You might not have anything at all, but your life is preaching before the lost world. It absolutely is. Have you ever wondered why you can sometimes quietly live your life as a Christian and some people around you just don't like you? Yeah. Maybe you've not said much. Maybe, maybe you haven't even had the opportunity to open your mouth yet, right? No, you're, 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 you may be looking for it and waiting for it. You're not just trying to be uh, somebody off in the corner hiding, hiding. I, I like, you know, what somebody said. Uh, I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of silly when they said, well, I don't wear my religion on my sleeve, you know, meaning I don't preach Christ at all in my life, right? Yeah, that's unbiblical. But maybe you've just been minding your business and, boys. Somebody, they just don't like you, right? See, preaching does two things, really. Preaching tells the hearer that they're wrong (laughs) or they're right. Might be an edifying, and there's edification in preaching as well. But 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 a lot of preaching tells you that you're wrong, rebuking and right. And preaching also brings the the hearer to a point of decision whether they're going to say yes or no. Watch this preaching. You know, the majority of preaching, watch, is to change behavior. To help us change our behavior. Why? Because he's trying to make us like Christ. Let me ask you this. Do you behave like Christ every day? (laughs) Far from it. Amen. And what does preaching do? It helps us. It encourages us. It, 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 It unfolds to us how we need to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. When we live our life according to the word of God, we're telling the world around us they're wrong. They don't like that. You know, we didn't like it either. 
Okay? And we're bringing them to a point of decision. They'll either say, huh, interesting, or they'll say, you're nuts. Get away from me. Yeah. I went into to the, to the job site. I'm a con- I was a contractor, so I kind of had my own hours and did my own thing. And I went in on a Monday morning because I didn't go in on Sundays, right? I didn't work on Sundays. And I went on mon- Monday morning, and uh, one of the supervisors on the job site said, boy, it was a beautiful day yesterday. I said, oh, yeah, it was. It was real pretty. He's just looking at me like, it's real pretty. Like, why weren't you here? I said, six days shalt thou labor and do thy work. He just walked away. <laughs> I just, hey, you know, they, 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 they don't understand that. They don't like that. Watch, they, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't like the, how that comes across, right? I'm just, I'm just saying, I just, I don't, number one, I'm a contractor. I don't have to come in. I can come in whenever I want to, friend. Right. But but uh, they, they don't like that. Well, it, it brings them to a place of I, I'm, I mean, essentially what I'm saying is kind of uh, without saying it's kind of like, well, you're wrong. I mean, they're lost. They're, I mean, we're not. There's bigger issues than whether they're there on a Sunday. Right. In the at that stage of their life. And I understand people are at different places. I get that. But the way we live our life preaches to those around us. And a lot of times the world doesn't like it. They don't like it. But that's one of the areas how we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that there's no other religion in the world that kind of really does this? It's not like you're out looking for a fight. I mean, sometimes some people are, but really we're not. We're trying to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? But think about the other religions of the world, right? Somebody says, well, I'm a Buddhist. Oh, wow, that's neat. They don't feel any, there's no like, oh, like there's a threat there, right? I'm I'm a Muslim. Well, there's a little bit of a threat there. You know, you kind of hold your neck, right, sometimes. Some people are like, I know, you're very peaceful. Yep, wonderful. And they just go on their merry way, right? Yeah, you meet a Mormon and they, you think, wow, don't they have wonderful families, right? What an I, I, I you, know, you know, you see what I mean? I mean, there's no threat there. So people just, they're, they're just all happy for whatever you want to do until you name Jesus Christ. And they go, oh, wait a minute. Weirdo. Yeah. Makes them nervous. Yeah. Why? Well, because when you identify with Jesus Christ, your words as well as your actions tell the world that you believe the Bible. Watch, and everything else is not true. People don't like exclusivity. They don't like hearing Jesus only. They don't like hearing that Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me, but by me. If you say, well, I'm a Buddhist and I just believe there's a, I'm one of the ways to God. Everybody goes, oh, that's so wonderful. You're so enlightened. Oh, you're so smart. You're so intelligent. And if you ever notice, they identify with their religion, don't they? They'll go out and they'll shave their head. They'll become vegans and and lose 150 pounds and look like they're emaciated. And people think it's wonderful. It's wonderful, right? You say Jesus and they get nervous. Why? Because you're telling them they're wrong. How did you like it when somebody told you you were wrong? (laughs) What was your first reaction? Yeah. Amen. If our identity, watch, if our identity is Jesus Christ, 
It is Jesus Christ who our life and our mouth will preach. Acts 5.42, what did they say? And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Why did they do that? Because their identity was Jesus Christ. That was their sameness. That's who they were. And the world saw it. They absolutely saw it. The preaching of the gospel was what dictated Paul's life. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. He said, I preach where Christ wasn't named. Why? He wanted to get the gospel out. This is why he said, I haven't made it to Rome yet. I've been too busy preaching. There's there's too much field that hasn't been seeded and I'm too busy seeding the field and I don't have time to come to Rome. Why? Because the seed's already been sown at Rome. There's a church at Rome. I don't need to be there right now, but here's an empty field that I got to get sown. And when I get all of this done, I'll, I'll come to Rome. And we see here finally that he preached everywhere possible and he said, okay, now I can come. Now I can come to Rome. Yeah. Look at verse 23. But having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. Because Paul's identity was Jesus Christ, it dictated who he preached. It dictated how he preached. It dictated where he preached. It dictated how long he preached. He preached till there was nothing left, no area to seed anymore till it was ready. Paul's preaching, watch, his preaching revealed his identity. What do you preach? Your life is preaching. You say, well, I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Oh, your life's still preaching. Your neighbors know where you go Sunday morning. They watch you pull out of the driveway. They watch you pull out on Wednesday nights. They, wa- they, they watch what you, what you, how you talk to each other in the front yard and backyard. And they see you at the... You, you'd be surprised. It's terrifying sometimes how much people watch. Yeah. What are you preaching? What are we preaching? Paul's preaching revealed that his identity was Jesus Christ. Number two, though, our identity, our identity really is revealed where our money goes. I know, this will quench the spirit, not too many. Most people in here, what a joy it is when God's people are mature in giving. And they, you know, you know your maturity in giving is when money's preached about and you like it. <laughs> yeah, because you have no problem at all. You, you, you love to hear about it. I, I have no problem hearing preached about money. Not at all. I don't. I really don't. I think if we could give more, we'd give more. If we had the possibility. And mo- many in this room, I, th- I know, are the same heart and the same mind. If you could give more, you'd give more. Just how you are. Why? Because you identify with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25. He said, But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. He's going to minister to the saints now at Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. So they're going to collect a, an offering 
and that is going to be sent from the churches at Avakaya and Macedonia, and actually also from the church at Corinth. We've been in 2 Corinthians on Wednesday night. Would you turn there to chapter 9? Let me show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1. I think it is interesting, a lot of the messages that we've been give, getting lately have been on giving, giving of ourselves uh, first and giving of our money and giving of our time. Look at verse nine, chapter 9, verse 1, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forward, forwardness, not forward, forwards out of control, the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked many, the, the zeal of the church at Corinth. Yet have I sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain. In this we have that as I said, you might be ready less happily if they of Macedonia come with me and I find you unprepared. We that, uh, that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty that word bounty meaning your gift whereof ye had not had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness Paul was heading to Jerusalem to bring him some money. He was heading to Jerusalem to bring some relief to the saints at Jerusalem. This really opens up a whole, uh, it really can open up your mind when you wonder why Paul is getting involved in this. Just set aside from his identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you realize Paul's past life may have, may have driven some of these people into poverty? Who, who knows? Who knows? what Paul's actions against the early Christians did to some of these Christian homes uh, over a long period of time. Who knows whose head of households or, or the main money makers were dragged out of a house and dragged to prison and here they are at the Church of Jerusalem just eking by and the disciples and all the other the church are trying to help them out and sustain them. I don't know, but I just know this. I know that Paul... Uh, was very much involved in dragging these people uh, out. We, I, we've mentioned this before. Uh, when they came to Christ, they were kicked out of the out of the temple, out of the synagogue. Many of them could have lost their livelihood uh, because they they watch. They left their identity of the temple and moved their identity to Jesus Christ, and they left. They lost all that they had there. And Paul was concerned about them, and he said, "I before I come, as long as he wanted to go to Rome, as long as he wanted to be in." Spain. He said, I need to go to Jerusalem first. He's got an offering to bring with them and it was going to be sent along. Look at verse 27. Why are the Gentiles doing this? Because they considered themselves debtors to the church at Jerusalem. Think about that. Look at verse 27. It hath pleased them verily and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Now we know that Jesus started his church, right? Amen. He said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That church grew. Some say up into the vicinity may be of 14,000 members at that church at Jerusalem. Very possible. We know at least 3,000 were saved the day of Pentecost alone. And it spread from there. Why? Because churches start churches. That's just normal, right? And it spread from there. And it went into Antioch. And obviously somebody made it to Rome. Uh, we see 
when Philip was preaching at Samaria and Peter came down from the church at Jerusalem to establish that work there. And we see the spreading of the church. And then it was there at the church at Antioch where the Holy Spirit of God spoke to that church and said, separate unto me Barnabas and Paul for the work whereunto I have called them. So the church at Antioch was obedient to God and they sent out uh, Paul and Barnabas. And, uh, and, 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 and from there, every person uh, brought to Christ through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas and others was the fruit ultimately at the church at Jerusalem from the beginning church. It just went down. Watch, 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 watch. These Gentiles recognized this. And there was gratitude. There was gratitude. And they, here's what they, they realized. They realized there's somebody out there that has brought me the gospel. I've come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what somebody else sacrificed and did so I could have the gospel. Doesn't it just sound like Jesus Christ <laughs> who sacrificed so that we could have life? Amen. There was a song that was written late 70s. I may remember Christine Wurtzen. I don't know how she was related to Don Wurtzen, but uh, Christine Wurtzen wrote a beautiful song on the album. The album titled was, Have You Ever Said Thank You? Listen to the, listen to the verse of this song. He said, what, she said, what if someone had not shared with me that Jesus paid for sin? What if someone had not shared with me the love from deep within? Just for once, I met a person who really showed to me he cared for my condition as I faced eternity. Lord, what if someone had not shared with me the simple gospel plan? God, please bless the one that shared with me. Lord, please bless that man. Gratitude. Do you remember the one who brought you to Christ? Do you remember, do you remember the one who brought the gospel to you? Do you remember the one who, who took time out of their day and out of their life to maybe it was a long period of time and they just pursued you and pursued you and pursued you and continued after you with the gospel? What happens? There's gratitude there. Absolutely. Gratitude. It begins in the heart and it moves to the actions. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Do you know Jesus supplies our spiritual needs as well as our material needs? How many have gone to the Lord for material needs this week? Lord, here's the list. I know you see this. And you're going to have to do something. Yeah. Here's the list. I don't know what you're going to... And you know what he does time and time and time and time and time again? He shows himself faithful. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. He provides our needs. He supplies our spiritual needs, but he also supplies our material needs. Listen, if we're going to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, our money will identify as well. Amen. Yeah. You know, it'll fix your tithing and giving problems if you have them. I just said, I don't think anybody in here does, but I don't know. Maybe somebody does. I don't even know about it. It's okay. You know, it'll fix that problem. If you'd look at it as an act of gratitude, I'm giving because of what's been given to me. I can't give much, but I can give this. 
I can't do this, but I, at least I can do this. You heard the gospel. You received the Lord Jesus Christ. It took money and labor to get it to you. Don't you think we ought to just show maybe a little bit of gratitude and give so that others can hear like we did? There's an author who noted this about our text. He says, our missions giving seems kind of backwards today. Now, don't get an idea that we're stopping a missions program, okay? He said, it seems kind of backward. In the New Testament, the, missions, the mission churches sent money back to the sending church. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen, right? It was an act, but he said it was an act of gratitude and love. Thank you. Thank, oh, you have a need? I'm going to meet that. You've met so many of our needs. We're going to meet your need. Hey, that's how you're going to identify. You, know, you want to identify with the Lord Jesus? Be a giver. You say, what, what should I give? Well, Jesus didn't even specify. When he said, given, it shall be given unto you. Did he, even, did, he didn't even qualify what giving was. It's just a life and an attitude of giving. You'll identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a giver, right? How are you identifying with Jesus in your giving? How are you identifying with Jesus in the way you preach your life? Thirdly, our, our identity is revealed in our prayer life. Sometimes I give numbers to things and of course there's always more that can be added. Um, and I've noticed here that prayer is three things. You might think of four or 12. Okay. I'm just going to show three. Prayer is a ministry. It's an act of ministry. You said, I, I don't have anything I can do. You can pray. <laughs> it's a ministry. What does ministry mean? What minister means? It just means to serve. And Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 37, remember, Anna was in the temple, right? She had lived there since her husband had died. And the Bible says here in verse 37 that she served God. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Say, so there's nothing I can do. You can pray. You can fast. No, that's not like, that's not just like a, a lower end job. That's probably one of the greatest jobs that could ever be done. Prayer is a ministry. Prayer is a battle. How many have noticed that? It's a battle against your flesh. How many fall asleep at prayer? <laughs> yeah. So you have to, yeah, you're like, bless God, I get up at five, but boy, I'm not going to pray till noon because I will be out at 5.30 if I start praying at five, right? Five or 5.05, whatever it is, whenever you think you start your prayer. It's a battle against your flesh. It's a battle against your mind. And sometimes what you think is logical. You think, oh, I got this. Your mind's like... It's all, all it is is this, this, and this. But friend, we don't know what's behind this, this, and this all the time. And sometimes it can be a battle against our mind. And we know it's a battle against Satan, right? Ephesians six twelve, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Prayer, prayer is one of those ministries that is a battle, but prayer is unifying. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. 
Boy, two people come together. We come together in men's prayer and agree in prayer. That's a powerful thing going on on a Saturday. It might not seem like anything. You might drag in here like, ho-hum, here we go again. We're going to go through the rituals. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody doing that. I hope not. But it's easy. We're, we do that sometimes, don't we? We, we, we lose the fact of, of the power and the unity and, 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 uh, of, of prayer, right? This should, this should be the greatest, the greatest encouragement for us for prayer, uh, prayer life is this. Jesus prayed. God put on human flesh and prayed to his Father. He stayed up all night in prayer multiple times. He prayed constantly. His prayer life was such a thing that the disciples didn't ask to do miracles. They didn't ask about any great, many deep, dark secrets. But the one thing they did ask him was, Lord, teach us to pray. Wow. It was an incredible thing. Look what he says here in verse 30. Now I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you. It's noting the the gravity and the importance about what he's going to say. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. We are his servants, amen. It's all his sake. And for the love of the Spirit, look what he goes on to say, that ye strive Together, that word strive means hard labor, to endeavor with earnestness. Together, this is for everyone. Nobody is excluded from this as a church body. We ought to strive together. Look what Paul says, with me. There's that Matthew 18 unity again. Agree with me in this and strive with me in prayer to God for me. What's Paul want prayer for? Verse 31, that everything goes well in Judea. Say that prayer didn't work. <laughs> sure it did. Got him to Rome and the government paid for it. <laughs> I like it. Wrote a few books while he was there. Got to see the church at Rome. Hey, listen, one of the greatest ways to be disappointed in life and ha- is, is to have it set up in your mind how everything should go that would make you happy. Yeah, listen, you will learn a life of disappointment really fast. Yeah. Verse 32 Look at this, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. He wanted to go to Rome, but he wanted to make sure he went to Rome that it was the will of God. It was. Hey, an angel at the fortress of Antonia confirmed it. The angel that showed up on the ship that was about ready to be broken up, he said, it's going to be okay, you're going to get to Rome. I think he was convinced it was the will of God by the time he got there, Amen. Listen to what John Phillips said about prayer. He says, By praying for missionaries, a Christian can place himself in a canoe in the Amazon, in an igloo in the Arctic, in a tent in the Sahara, in a submarine at the bottom of an ocean, in a plane high in the stratosphere. He can ward off missionaries' dangers in the jungle, diseases in the city slum, disasters in the deep. He can arm the missionary's witness with supernatural power, lift him from the slough of despond, rout the unseen foes that lurk in the spirit world, and strengthen his hand in God. You don't think your prayer has power? You don't think you're, listen, this is, this is a way that we identify with Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed. Jesus was a, a, a man of prayer. 
And if the world is going to notice us as Christians and we're going to identify a sameness with the, G, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have got to be a people identified with him in prayer. How's your prayer life? That question hits me every time. You say, you could always pray more, couldn't you? Now, no, friend, you might not be at the stage of life where you can lay on the ground for 12 hours a day in prayer, okay? We're also supposed to occupy until he comes. We're also supposed to uh, work and labor, and I, I, I get that. But aren't you glad that you can pray while you're driving? I, I, I believe it was, uh, I forget the author, I know who it was, but I lost his name right now. But he essentially said prayer for the Christian is essentially like breathing. Maybe it was C.S. Lewis, I think it said something to that effect. It's like breathing. Should be. Should be like our natural breath. Pray. Look all the times. What, what did Peter say? Lord, save me. That was it. What a prayer. What a prayer. When Nehemiah went before the, the king, he prayed real quick. Lord, help. He's praying. Is this a natural pattern of his life? Daniel had the opportunity to pray three times a day, right? Pray towards Jerusalem. A life of prayer. Life of prayer. I wonder how much doesn't get accomplished for God just because we don't pray. He's willing and he's able, but there's some things that aren't going to be accomplished. Jesus said, this kind come not out but by prayer and fasting. Oh, there's some things. There's some things that aren't going to come out but by prayer and fasting. Holy Spirit ever told that to you before? Dealing with something, he said, keeps coming back to that verse. He said, Lord, I, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, I need... That verse keeps coming back to around. This kind come not out by prayer and fasting. Maybe God's telling you you need to start fasting and praying over it for a while. Yeah. You see, when we live the gospel... The world, and this is, this is Romans, Romans 12 through 16, 12 through 15, living the gospel. Living the gospel. When we live the gospel, the world sees the demonstration of what we say we believe. And when we demonstrate what we believe, the word has power. The word has power in our lives. And they see that. And see, this is what happens when we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we seek to be like Him. When we seek to live, when we seek to live like Him, the world sees Jesus. When we see and know that our identity in Christ is seen, it'll be seen, the world will see it. Watch, the world will see it in our preaching. The world will see it in our Pain. The world will see it in our praying. They will see it in every aspect of our life. Why? Because we've identified with Him. Yeah. Where's your identity today? When you have an issue come to your life, where do you go first? I don't think anybody would hear go to a horoscope, but do you know how many so-called Christians go to horoscopes to figure out what to do in life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're a Scorpio. You ought to do that. You know. Oh, you're a Leo. Blah, blah, blah. 
go to all, you know, go to talk shows, go to this person, go to that person. Yeah. Oprah, Dr. Phil. I'm telling you, they're out there, man. You know what it tells you? They're not doing a very good job of identifying with Jesus Christ. If the world was given an opportunity to give a description of our life, who would they say you identify with? Hmm. I were a kid I knew when we were younger. I was out of high school probably. He'd gotten saved a few years before that. I never saw him at church, but he came later. I... He started coming again. And somebody asked him about coming back to church. He said, well, what really bothered me was I was away from God. And he said, he was, we, tr- we all went to the same gym. And he said, I was in there and somebody, I heard somebody across the way said, uh, didn't Sean become a Christian? And the guy said, no. And he goes, man, that killed me. <laughs> he wasn't identifying with Christ. And then he got right with God. He realized, man, this is, that killed him, killed him. If the world were to look at us, who would they think that we identify with? For some reason, you know what? Some people, for some reason, they never preach Christ in their life. They never give it to the Lord. I don't get that. They never really have a prayer life. It's just all surface. Surface religion. And it's no, and no surprise the world doesn't know well, who Jesus is. Have you ever noticed when? Have you ever noticed the world's perception of who Jesus really is? Who they think he is? Where do they get that from? I mean, they're not reading the Bible to get it. They got to get it somewhere. Yeah, they're getting it from somewhere where it's not a, not a somebody who's identifying with the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. Here's the good news, though: if you've lost your identity, like my friend did. You've lost your identity in Christ. You know today that you can repent and turn again to living the gospel. That's a good news, isn't it? You can make you can make your identity today, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can get up today and put a stake in the ground and say, from, from this day forward, I am going to endeavor at every aspect and place in my life to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. You know what the world will see? They'll see the power of the Word of God. You'll start making, watch, you'll start seeing changes in people around you because God can use us now. Who do you identify with? Who does the world think you identify with? Paul's identity was Jesus Christ and everything he did. It all pointed back to Jesus. May God help us to have that same testimony as the Apostle Paul. It's, it's, hey, listen, just, he, didn't, he didn't get there just because he was an apostle. Remember Romans 7? The things that I don't do, I, 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 I want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. You know, Remember that whole dilemma he was having with his own flesh? It's just flesh and blood like us. But he chose, chose to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can too. Father, thank you this morning. I think it's true. So many Christians have lost their identity in Christ, look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, respond like the world, fear like the world, make decisions like the world.
And if somebody were to point out anything in their life that was actually like Jesus Christ, they'd be hard-pressed to find it. Lord, it ought not to be. And we thank you, Lord, that it doesn't have to stay that way. That today we can choose to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. We just pray that you'd bring us to that. If there's an area of our life today, Father, that we have ceased identifying with you in, whether it's in our, whether it's in our witness or whether it's in our giving or whether it is, uh, uh, Lord, in our prayer life, Today would we make that change and identify with you again. We thank you that, God, we have everything in us, the fullness of thy Holy Spirit, to have the ability to make those changes. We thank you for that. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? The invitation is open. However the Lord has spoken to you this morning, you can pray right where you are. Maybe God has placed a little something on your heart. Maybe it was something said earlier. I don't know. But the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You need to respond to Him now, right where you are. Do you identify with Jesus? Are there aspects in your life that aren't the same as Jesus? Friend, that's living the gospel when we live like Jesus. Maybe you just need some help in that today and you need to come to the Lord and ask Him to help you to do that. You have that desire to, you have the heart to, you want to, right? You find out that your flesh rises up over and again and gives you a little bit of problem. Come to him today, would you? Ask him for help. He'll help you. He'll help you. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Good to see everybody out. Pray for those who aren't able to be here today. And uh, we'll be closed in a word of prayer. Of course, we've got to call on Brother Martin. Haven't seen you in six months here. It's good to see you back. Six weeks today. Was it really? Oh, well, good to see you and Miss Mary today. Would you close this prayer, please? Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can come.